0: Well everybody, good morning to you guys and I'm gonna ask you again, how are you doing out there? And it's actually a sincere question. How are you guys doing out there? Right now, if you're watching this in the comment section below, you can right now type in and let us know how you're doing. You can use emojis or whatever the case is to communicate how you're doing as you guys are well aware of our worldwide global pandemic as we're fighting the coronavirus sheltering in place and quarantine and all the rest this is week four of gathering together in homes or on your phone or wherever you're at and so what we're going to do today is what we've been doing is we're going to get into God's word we're going to get into a time of worship we're going to encourage a time of prayer and maybe if you have it set up in your groups you would even participate in communion and that is breaking bread and celebrating the Lord's supper with one another and just remembering what he has done so I'm so glad that we can do this. As a matter of fact, I was considering earlier today before we set all this up in my living room, welcome again to my house. Before we set all this up, I considered how important it is that the church keep doing what we're doing. That is growing together in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter goes on to say in the end part of his last epistle to Jesus Christ be the glory both now and forever but the church's responsibility and privilege is to come together in houses or in homes or maybe you're by yourself i understand the complexity there as well but as we come together as it said in acts 242 and to study God's word to pray to to worship, to, to fellowship. And so we're doing our best. I know you guys know that. And the way this is gonna work even better is while you're in your groups or by yourself watching online, you might be on YouTube, You might be on Facebook. It might be on live stream. It might be on some other platform. You gotta comment and communicate or share and post or like and be with other people in our virtual digital reality right now. We've got pastors watching. I read all the comments at all the services and on YouTube and I'd love to see what's going on in your life and how we can grow together and how we can encourage each other. And you guys know the announcements are the same. Everything's canceled at South Beach Church except are through the Bible reading program, are five by five. That is five chapters a week, five minutes, give or take, a day. And then there's five questions on the back. You can go to southbeachchurch.org and download the fresh... April offering. If you haven't already got it, as a matter of fact, it's so fresh. This is a March one, but you guys know you can go online and check that out. And in April, I think it's April 3rd or 4th today. It's a Sunday. I'm not quite sure what day it is. I know I'm filming this on April 1st, but I know that on Sunday, it's going to be April 4th. Is that? And here's what's going on April 4th. You guys are reading Matthew chapter 3. Now, Pastor Bo's been designing these through the Bible reading program uh, for us. He's been doing such a great job. I'm so thankful for Pastor Bo and all his creative work that he puts out for our print publications in Sunday School. And and as he's been putting this together, I, I gave him the link that gave us the ultimate year plan. But I didn't know what was coming after James. We just got done with James. James, which is Jesus' little brother. And man, if you didn't have a chance to read James... It's like six chapters. Okay, go go cruise through it this week. And and James, James was so fired up. Remember, we went over this last week. He was so fired up. He saw his brother live his perfect life, die his sinless death, and then rise victorious from the dead. And so when James wrote his epistle, I mean, he wasn't messing around. James wrote his epistle, and the big idea was, oh, you're a believer then it better be evidenced with some faith, with some works, with some muscle. And so he wrote his book and it was a power-packed book. And really, I'm just gonna summarize it in today's day and age, 2020. There's a lot of people who say they're Christians. And they, I'm a Christian, you know? It's like, well, why are you a Christian? Because I love Christmas, man, and the presents and stuff. You know, it's like, there's way more that makes you a Christian. And it's not just going to church. It's not just going to church. Any more so than going into your garage makes you a car. You can go lots of places and not be those things associated with those places. So here's my question. My question before we look at Matthew 3 quickly. Question is this. How serious are you taking your Christianity? How serious are you taking your Christianity? There's so many looky-loos. I'm just being honest. People just coming in and maybe even getting baptized and... And, and, and getting excited about a service or, or South Beach Church or a hoodie, and I love it because I believe it's a it's a doorway. I believe it's an entry point where you're like, man, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. So here's my question: How serious are you taking your Christianity? Are, are you growing roots down and are fruits coming out? Are you are you getting nearer to the Lord and are you becoming more like the Lord? Paul says in Acts chapter 17 that we are his offspring, okay? And if you're God's offspring, it literally means that you're going to become more and more like him because you came from him, if indeed you're falling more in love with him. That's my challenge to you. That's what James wrote his epistle all about. And now check this out. James is done, and now we're in the book of Matthew. And I'm going to just kind of give you a little bit of insight into chapter three, which you should have read today, this Sunday morning. And then we're gonna to go to a time of worship. Pastor Ryan's put together another set for us to worship the Lord. But before we get there, in Matthew, man, such a heavy hitting chapter as John the is introduced, J the B, Jesus' older cousin. And if you read it through already, or maybe you'll read it through later, John the Baptist kind of reminds me of James. He saw Jesus differently than everybody else in his day And he wasn't messing around. And John the baptizer said, guys, this is a big deal. See, God anointed J the B to be J the B and to have a voice. I'm just going to read you a few verses. This is verse three. And he quotes out of the book of Isaiah. And he says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer, you guys know a story. He would go out outside of Jerusalem and there by the Jordan River. And he would just begin preaching. <laughs> it's not the best church growth plan. I'm just going to go into the woods and start preaching, see what happens. Unless, unless the Lord's doing something and people started showing up. And droves and masses showed up and Jay the B was preaching. And it was a Holy Spirit moment because guess what was happening simultaneously? Jesus was on the scene and he was about to begin his earthly ministry And so John the baptizer had this Holy Spirit anointing and begins to preach and proclaim and prophesy. People got mad at him. And he began to say crazy stuff. In verse eight, it says, therefore, he's yelling at people. (laughs) He's yelling at the people. He's yelling at the people that are at church. And he says in verse eight, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And don't think to say to yourselves, man, we're Abraham's kids. For I say to you, God's able to raise up children from Abraham from these stones. Verse 12, just one or two more verses and we're gonna go into worship. He goes on in verse 12 to say, his winnowing fan, talking about Jesus, is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, just again, I know you guys just, we just started church. Luke, quit yelling at us. I'm not yelling. Maybe I am. But I'm excited. Because I know for a fact that what the Lord did then was radical as he rose up john the baptizer to preach a message of preparation and repentance to prepare the way of the lord and here we are now in 2020 and i don't know if you're (laughs) tracking i don't know if you're tracking with world events but things are cooking right now man there is pestilences in in plagues all over the world you know this Throughout the world, there is swarms of locusts being uh, unleashed upon the lands worse than anybody's ever recorded. There are earthquakes happening more and more numerous and in more and more locations. Things are happening right now, and biblical prophecy students and those who have a heartbeat of heaven have been studying this book, which has never failed, and all of a sudden, things are starting to get cooked up, and the whole world is watching. And, I, and you gotta ask yourself as a Christian, if you're, if you're a Christian, what does God want me to do? I believe he wants you to take your Christianity serious because it is serious. Because the temptation and the proclivity is for you and I to not take it serious. We actually get saved, get baptized, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Ah, and then, then just check it out, check it out. Then we, we tend to, if we're not careful, get comfortable. Raise your hand if you love being comfortable. (laughs) My my hand is up. My wife raised her hand. My dog just raised her hand. Man, we love being comfortable. And the Lord, he loves you too much to let you get weird. As a matter of fact, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. He does that. If you get too comfortable, and I believe right now, God is waking us up. I know he's waking me up. And I'm not, maybe, are you anybody a morning person? Or how about not a morning person? You get woke up, you're like, get out of here. <laughs> you don't wake up very easy. I, man, I'm, you know, as I get older, I'm not, I'm not the morning person I used to be not for some reason. And as the Lord is waking me up, I'm excited to see what he's going to do in my life. But I also find myself just not wanting to let go of certain things or go to the next level. And he is taken from us right now. I don't know what when you're going to watch this sermon, but right now he's taken from us A lot of comforts and liberties and a lot of securities, they're just gone, okay? They're gone because of the coronavirus. They're just gone. And I wanna encourage you, don't waste the virus. Don't waste the quarantine. Don't waste it. Let the Lord, because the Lord is real. He's really doing stuff right now. And when John the baptizer, you've already read it in Matthew 3, you're gonna see it later. When he came on the scene, starts yelling and screaming, get get right, get right or get left, and get serious, man, and get, get fired up. And he goes on to prophesy, last verse before we're going to worship now. It says in verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to John. You can read the rest of the verse. You can read the rest of the story. It says, Jesus came from Galilee to John. John, I don't even know if John expect, I don't think he did. John was just preaching, man. He just was on fire. He felt the Holy Spirit and he was doing his job. And one day he sees Jesus coming up, his younger cousin, and the Holy Spirit boom, opened up his eyes. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he saw Jesus differently than everybody else. And here's, here's my point. As John took his message seriously, Jesus showed up. There is no greater experience, no greater purpose, no greater place than to be in the presence of Jesus. There's nothing in this world that will satisfy you as much, that will hold you as close, that will take you as far, that will heal you as deep as Jesus Christ. And I wanna encourage you, we're gonna go into a time of worship right now. Man, just man, let, let go. Let go of the things around you. Let go of your pride. Let go of your fear. Let go of your sin and foolish distractions. Last Sunday, I'm just gonna tell you guys. I I watched the service with my my family. And when the worship time came on, I hadn't seen the videos that Ryan produced there with his wife, and it was just so good. And and I, I made my I, we turned it up, and I just I was so so blessed to, to worship with my kids. I don't get to do that very often because I'm always on the other side of the camera. I'm somewhere. I'm doing something. And I just want to encourage. And I, and I knew my kids were watching too. And I was like, you know what? I want my kids to see. I definitely want my kids to see their dad worship. Okay. I want my kids to hear their dad sing. I want my kids to see their dad cry with tears of joy and peace. I want my kids to see that because if I can connect my kids and my wife and my family to Jesus Christ, if I can just connect them to to the Holy Spirit, okay, I've done my job. I've done my job. And so I had to let go of my pride and control and other things and so i'm going to pray right now and we're going to go into a time of worship and if you're a life group leader or whatever just turn it up and worship the lord would you just bow your heads right now father i pray thanksgiving that you're so patient with us and at the same time i'm just going to use that word you're so serious about your kingdom you are so serious the kingdom of god is serious business and lord i believe you are full and rich and in and good and loving and, and, and kind and merciful. But Lord, I also believe that you're, you're wanting to take us deeper. As John the baptizer was baptizing people and, and, and kind of yelling at folks to get right or get left, you showed up. You said, I like that message. I'm gonna get baptized. And you came. And I pray, Jesus, that you would do the same thing in my house with my wife and my three kids and in my life. And you do the same thing at South Beach Church and beyond and anybody watching right now The world is watching. And Lord, we pray that as the church comes alive, as the church revives, as the church gets serious about their Christianity, in Jesus' name, Lord, would the rest of the world that doesn't know you yet, would they get saved? Would the revival begin and judgment begin in the house of the Lord? And then would you use it, Lord, to impact the nations? We need you right now. We're gonna worship you no matter what the situation is, no matter what's happening here in Lincoln County, because you're worthy of our praise. So Lord, would you help us to do that? We thank you for all you've done. Prepare us for the word to come. Bless us now in this time of worship, we pray in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: to the Lord and as we worship the Lord we remind ourselves of how good God is how big God is and that God knows what he's doing and how important is that right now when we're wondering what is happening in our world guys we need to continue to go through this temporal experience with an eternal view Continue to look at the Lord and stay focused on Him. Nothing takes the Lord by surprise. Matter of fact, take your Bibles now and turn to Luke 19. And the reason we're gonna be in Luke 19 today, and I really want you guys to grab a hold of this story and the, the magnitude of this story. This story is what we're commonly called Palm Sunday. It's today, Palm Sunday is today. And I don't know if you guys knew that. I forgot to mention it at the beginning of the service, but this is Palm Sunday which is the Sunday before Easter Sunday. And as you guys know, at South Beach Church, man, we love to celebrate Easter Sunday like none other. And man, we put a whole thing together with baptisms and we bring in bands sometimes. And we, but this year, it's gonna happen in my house. It's gonna be legit or we're gonna find a spot to, to shoot our Easter service. But here's the deal, Here, here's the deal, here's the deal. The first Palm Sunday and the first Easter were not like the celebrations we do now They were remote and rugged, and and it was wild in those days. But one thing remains the same then 2,000 years ago as it does today. That is God's sovereignty over all things. We're going to see that in the text today. So Luke 19 is where you should be turning. And again, thank God for Ryan and the worship team and putting together those sets for us to worship him and to touch base with one another. And while you're watching at home on your couch or wherever you are, make sure and type in the, the comment section hashtag in this together and take a picture of your team there that you're watching with so we can see the family of God or I mean, if it's just you take a selfie and put that in there and I mentioned that in the announcements everything is canceled but I do want to let you know that all of our pastors are available to email at southbeachchurch@gmail.com. gmail.com We're also doing Zoom meetings, video conference meetings. Uh, We can Zoom with upwards of 100 or more people at a time. And so on Tuesdays, the men are Zooming for CR meetings and the women are Zooming as well at 6.45. So if you have a a smartphone or a laptop, you can download the software for free and contact Pastor Adam Durkin and get the contact info. And it's just an opportunity and a way to stay connected. And as I also mentioned, everything's canceled. Well, there's so many more things that are not canceled. Faith. Is not canceled, and a lot of people are going back and forth with not being able to gather, as if that's some sort of, you know, encroachment upon our faith. I don't. I don't see it that way. I don't. That's, that's not my my problem. I see it as an attempt to stay healthy, stay home, stay healthy. That's the idea. Because our faith is not being encroached upon. Not yet. Our faith is still free, and our government hasn't shut that down yet. And I would say that this is an opportunity for our faith to grow even more, for our prayer to grow even more, for our Bible study and communion with the Holy Spirit to grow even more, our time of scripture memorization. And can I just please encourage you, if there's anything right now in your quarantine, sheltering in place, that's getting in the way of your walk with the Lord, man, don't waste this opportunity. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it and interject and replace it with the Lord, whether it's meditation in his word or fellowship with his people a quietness of heart i was zooming with my mom and dad earlier today and just talking about how the lord has softened their hearts through this and and they just sit together and talk more and they just spend time hours with the lord just talking and just man the lord's just quieted their hearts you know and and they're 155 years old each you know and, and god's still working in their hearts just getting like in their 70s or something like that they're they're amazing yes no and, and i'm so encouraged at what the Lord, the opportunity that God has given to us. So take your Bibles now to Luke 19. And as we continue to study through this portion of Scripture, Palm Sunday, preparing our hearts for what God wants to do this Passion Week. Throughout the rest of the week, I would encourage you to stay in the Gospels, not just your uh, April reading plan, but read the Gospels and read as Jesus would ride into Jerusalem on this Sunday, Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago. April 6th, A.D. 32, as he rode in to Jerusalem. We're going to study that portion of Scripture today. And I believe it's so just perfect. Because when Jesus rode in, there were some who welcomed him and wanted him. And there were others who minimized him and dismissed him. There were others who were antagonistic against him. And they wanted to take him out. And yet Jesus, with a Face like flint set towards Jerusalem stayed the course. So I'm gonna say a quick prayer on our time of Bible study this morning. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, in Jesus' name, we're gonna open up your word now. You said that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes what you set it out to do. Lord, you said that your word is like a light that goes upon our path and is for our feet that we might not stumble. You said of your word, Lord, that it's a sword that cuts that it separates and divides, that it discerns. So Lord, we submit ourselves to your word. Would you have your way? Encourage us now. Lord, maybe there's somebody online watching right now, a friend of mine or somebody else who doesn't know you. They're wondering. They're, they're Maybe they're wondering. I pray in Jesus' name, you would reveal yourself and you'd save people during this time of Bible study. And Lord, for those who do know, but man, they're beat up. They're just beat up. I was texting with a friend yesterday and just saying that she's just beat up. And I pray that you would just take those sheep who are real believers but are beat up and you'd strengthen them. You'd put oil on their head and comfort them and bless them, Lord, through your word, through this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Luke 19, and it's not fair to jump right in the middle of a text or right in the middle of Luke's letter, but I'm gonna do it anyways because we don't have time to study the whole chapter 19. But I want you to see verse 28. Because verse 28 is Jesus finally getting, I say finally because it's taken him a while, Jesus finally getting to Jerusalem. You see, Jesus lived up in Galilee. That's where he primarily spent his time. Now, check this out. Bible students, pay attention. In Luke 9, 51. Luke 9, way, way, way back in the day, the Bible says that it was time for Jesus to be delivered. And so he began to go to Jerusalem in Luke 9. He began to go to Jerusalem in Luke 9. And from Luke 9 to Luke 19, that's 10 chapters if you're doing simple math. In 10 chapters, Jesus did tons of teaching and healing and leading on his way to Jerusalem. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened on the way. And as Jesus, I'm trying to set the, the scene here, as Jesus gets to Jerusalem, I'm just gonna read the verse so you see it in verse 28. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. He finally gets there. Now, if you read Luke 19 at the beginning, it's Zacchaeus' house, and, and he gives a parable right before this. And, but I want to just try to jump around here at the beginning so you, you understand what Jesus is dealing with. Look at verse 11. Go back a little bit. Right after he leaves Zacchaeus' house, listen, this is important. It says, now as they heard these things, he's at Zacchaeus' house having a Bible study, he spoke another parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and listen, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now, just get the scene. Jesus is in full control from before time began, from before the very first planet was created. God's plan hasn't varied. It hasn't vacillated. It hasn't changed. And here, in this portion of scripture, Jesus is at Zacchaeus' house, and he hears The disciples talking, you know what they're talking about? The kingdom of God, they're getting excited. It's finally happening, it's finally happening, listen. And so Jesus says, no, it's not. It's not happening, not now. It will one day, but not now. They wanted it to happen. As a matter of fact, just a few weeks after this event, Jesus' disciples in Acts one would say, Jesus, are you gonna do it now? And he would look at them again and shake his head and say, no, not now, one day, but not now. And here's my application. The disciples, they were rubbing their hands together. Finally, man, Jesus has been such a good leader. and Now he's gonna wrap it all up. It's all over. And they were just waiting for him to do and to finish the plan of eternity. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not, it ain't over till it's over. And I'm just gonna say to you right now, 2020 Christian, you, you guys ready? Anybody get your rapture so- socks on? I got my rapture socks on right now, ma'am. I'm ready to go. But it ain't over till it's over. And so Jesus looked at his disciples before he went into Jerusalem. He's going to go in on Palm Sunday and he's going to live for one more week and then he's going to die. He knows he's about to die and his disciples are starting to get senioritis, man. They're ready to check out too. And he's like, guys, you don't get to check out. It's time to do stuff. So Jesus tells this parable in Luke 19. I'm not going to read it to you. But because... They thought it was almost over. We're done. He told this parable. It's a cutthroat parable. He said, let me tell you guys a quick story. It's about a king. And he sends 10 servants out to do business. And he gives each one of those servants a mina. And then when he comes back, he looks them all in the eyes and he says, what'd you do while I was gone? And the first one says, man, I went hustle. I I just went next level. I worked, I worked, I worked. And he's like, good job. Here's 10 more. And the next guy comes and he's like, you know, I worked pretty hard. I didn't work as hard as that guy, but I worked pretty hard. He's like, okay, good. Here's five more. And then another guy shows up. He's like, you know what I did? I didn't do nothing. (laughs) You were gone. You left us in charge. I didn't do nothing. I just took the one mina and I hit it. And Jesus said to that guy, he's like, are you for real? You mean I gave you a part of my kingdom and I said I'd be back and you didn't do anything? And Jesus used that as a parable. And he rebuked that servant for being lazy and not a good steward. I want you guys to see this. Jesus, this is Palm Sunday. It's all about Jesus. But he says to those disciples then, and I believe to us now, it ain't over till it's over. I've invested my kingdom in you. There are, this is why you're still alive. This is why you're still here. There is things to be done. And God is going to show us his sovereignty in this portion of scripture. And I believe he wants to show his sovereignty through your life as well. And so look at back to where we began in verse 28. When he had said this, said what? The story of the minus. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now stop right there, eyes up here. Jesus does two things amazing. Number one, he exhorts people amazingly. But then he also shows people examples amazingly. He models and teaches he teaches and models. He tells you what to do. Then he shows you how to do it. He shows you how to do something. Then he tells you to do it yourself. Jesus told these guys, I want you to stay active until it's over. Then what did Jesus do? He got up and he became active. He went into Jerusalem on the donkey. And I just need to exhort myself, man. It ain't over till it's over. Keep going. Keep putting your antenna up. Keep listening to the Lord. Keep, keep responding to what he tells you to do. As a matter of fact, Jesus is so fun that what he's about to do, he could do by himself, but he chooses not to. He chooses to incorporate the help of his disciples. We're gonna study this out right now. And Jesus, you might be wondering right now, and it's pretty hard for me, I'm kind of an extrovert guy, and it's hard for me to sit at home and try and uh, tell the world about Jesus and get out there and do stuff. And it's this time of quarantine and resting, but it's a a mentality where the Lord says, Luke, do you wanna take more ground? Are you getting tired? You want to back off? You want to do less? Or do you want to do more? And it's a constant wrestling match. And the Lord, I believe, would have us all as Christians right now rise up and say, Lord, what do you want me to do next? You might have a bigger question. What do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do forever? I don't think he's going to answer that question. I'm just honest. You know what he will answer? What do you want me to do next? Matter of fact, write this down, five principles we're going to see in the text right now, okay? Number one, it says right here in verse 29, And it came to pass, when he drew near Bethbage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, that's me and that's you, saying, Go into the village, verse 30, opposite you, whereas you enter, you will find a colt tied, which no one has ever sat, loose it, bring it here. If anyone has questions or asks you, why are you loosen it? Thus you shall say to them, because the Lord has need of it. Verse 32, so those who were sent went. I got that circle because it just rhymes. It's so cool. So those who were sent went their way, and they found it just as it was said to them. Stop right there and eyes up here. And let me just give you these five principles quickly so we can get to the end of the story today. And see what the Lord has for your life. The number one principle that I want you to write down today is progressive revelation. That is that the Lord will give you what you're supposed to do after you've done what he's already asked you to do. We tend to be those who want the full blueprint plans in hand and know every step and where it's going to go. He is not going to do that for you. He just won't. Here's what he will do though. He will give you the next step and the next step. And the next step, it's progressive revelation, where God reveals to you what he wants you to do. And then I have found this to be true. Until you do what he's asked you to do, you might not get the next revelation. As a matter of fact, people come and ask me questions from time to time, and you know, and I'll start to discern that maybe they haven't heard from the Lord recently or in a while because they didn't obey the last thing that God said to do. Progressive revelation. And here's the thing, is, We would love to know the full picture, but here's why God doesn't tell us the full picture. Number one, you and I would take that blueprint and we would say, see at the finish line, Jesus, appreciate it, and we wouldn't connect with him throughout the rest of our lives because we'd know what we're doing. But he likes to fellowship with you. He likes you when you talk with him. The second thing that we might do if we saw the blueprint of our life of what God wants to do is that we might expedite the process. That is, we might make things happen faster than they should. And so the Lord says, I can't tell you what I'm going to do. You would get ahead of the cart and the horse and all messed up. Or the third thing, (laughs) and this is maybe the most common, if the Lord told you what he was going to do with your life, you might run the other way. (sighs) And so the Lord says, no, no, I'm just going to tell you what to do. So Jesus takes these two disciples and says, go into the city. Well, then what? Well, then you're going to see a colt. Well, then what? Well, then you're going to grab the colt. Well, then what? Well, then someone's going to come out and he's going to mess with you. Well, then what? Well, then tell him, don't mess with me. And then what? And he's not going to mess with you anymore. He's <laughs> funny. It's funny to me. And I want it to be funny to you too because your life's super funny. I see you on Facebook. It's hilarious. It's a train wreck. Okay. It's all over the place. So is mine. And yet the Lord says, that's how I do it, man. I'm guiding people. I'm going to tell you what to do. And I got good plans for you. Progressive revelation. Second principle we see in this portion of scripture is that God is always working on both ends. See, God's going to set you up even as he's preparing in setting up things on the other end. Every single time you're in God's plan, he's going to be working on both ends. Not only is it progressive revelation, he's going to show things and reveal things to you progressively, but he's also working on both ends. You can just take it to the bank that what God is doing and needs to do, because I stress out, man, maybe you stress out also about, well, when I get there, what if they do this? And what if they do that? And God says, did I stutter? You go do it. You go do it. Because God has a purpose in the way that he's directing your life. And I've seen this happen in my life where I'm just being directed by the Lord. And when I get to where he's taken me, I find out that he was working on both ends. There's a story in Acts chapter 10 where Cornelius, he's not a believer yet, And an angel of the Lord shows up and says, Cornelius, God's gonna save you. He's gonna save you through a man named Peter. Go ahead and send your messengers to get Peter. Now that very moment, Peter was praying. You know what the Lord said to Peter? Hey, Peter, there's gonna be some messengers knocking on the door. When they knock on the door, just go with them. God works on both ends. And when the door was knocked on, Peter said, are you the guys? And they said, read the story yourself. I remember the one time, personally, I fell in love with this girl, man. She was legit. And as I began to fell more in love with her and fall more in love with her, I was praying and praying. And I didn't think she was in love with me and I didn't even know if it was the right thing. And I kept praying to God that he would allow me to love this girl because, man, she loved the Lord and she was hot. And I just wanted to be close to her. And for three months, I just prayed and prayed until I finally took her out on a date for the first time. And when I told her my heart and how I'd been praying for three months, she just stared at me like I was crazy. I kind of looked like Osama bin Laden I had a beard that was a little more scruffy than this one, and a beanie on, and I had this sweater on I'd gotten from a Peru with llamas on it. Anyways, she just stared at me, and she responded. She said, "Well, I've been praying for you for seven months." Evidently, she's the more spiritual one. And, she, and she, she told me she'd been praying for me for seven months, and we just stared. And then we both stared at each other like we were crazy. Because I'd been praying for her, and she'd been praying for me. And we were both secretly in love with each other. And God had secretly told each one of us that it was okay. And I got engaged to that girl 21 days later. I got married to her in June 2001. And we're celebrating our 19 year anniversary this June. And as I look back on that, I say, God, you're so good. How you worked on my heart and you were working on her heart at the same time. What are the chances? Well, if God's guiding you, the chances are good. Can I just say something? God's gonna work on both ends. The third thing we see here in this text, okay, is that everything matters. Everything matters. This might be really important. I know it's important for me because I kind of want the big lights in the sky The Lord, thus saith the Lord, and I'm going to do this. But can you imagine the disciples? Just imagine with me. They've walked from Galilee to Jerusalem, and now they're about to go in. And Jesus is like, hey, 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 let's do it with a donkey. And you're like, what? Dude, we walked so so far, and now you're tired? Like, no, no, no. Get me a donkey. It's going to be legit. You're like, I don't know, man. I would be like, I don't know, Jesus. Like, just... Just walking like everybody else. Why a donkey? Is it a big deal? Is it a big deal? Are you tired, Jesus? Your Nikes wore out. Because you could ask yourself. You could maybe maybe the Lord's saying, do this. Text that person. Call them. Go go here. And you're like ah, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Like or why a donkey? Why not a horse? You know or why not a Harley Davidson? You guys who know the Bible, you know that this event was prophesied specifically. It had to go down this way. God was doing stuff. Zechariah chapter nine said, Jesus is gonna come in the Messiah Messiah's coming in on a donkey. You guys know it had to be this way. Here's my application. There are no little things in the kingdom. It all matters. Everything matters. You don't know what the Lord's doing. He's working on both ends. Progressive revelation. Just say yes. Just say yes. And the other day, I think it was, it was March 13th. It was Friday the 13th. And I met with Paul Jones you know we we're going over some literature that he's putting together a, a listening journal that's going to be released soon to the to the, to the public and it's going to change lives and we were going over the final script and how it how it flows and, and and i was leaving and and i was there next to the Newport florist and and at the Newport florist i was talked to my friends there amber and 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 Tara. And and as I was talking to them, I I left and, and prayed for them and got in my car and Tara came running out and said, Luke, can you take a delivery of flowers to North Agate Beach by your house? And I was like, ah, sounds great. You know, I love flowers, you know? And so I grabbed these flowers and I was driving in my car and I was looking at the address. It didn't make sense. I'm like, well, you know, I'll type it in and spilling water all over my car. And as I got to this house, I could tell it was a big house and looked like a rental. And long story short, I didn't think anybody lived there and I walked up and knocked on the door and was holding these flowers and this guy opens up the door Friday the 13th and he looks at me through the window and I look at him through the window, you know, we're looking at each other, you know, I'm like, I got flowers, I'm a good guy and so he opens up the door and he says, who are these flowers, you know, for? And I said, well, they're for Georgia. He said, Georgia's my wife and I said, well, who's sending flowers to your wife? You know, it's not me, bro and and he grabs the flowers and he says, my wife's really sick. And I said, well, how sick? He said, really sick. And I said, well, does she need prayer? And he looked at me and he said, are you, are you a praying man? Cause I'm just the flower guy at this point, you know, and I'm like, I'm a, and I reached in my pocket and I had some anointing oil and I, I was like, I said, not only am I praying, man. And I pulled out this anointing oil. I was like, I'm ready to go. And oh, he looked at the oil and he said, no way. And, and, he, and he invited me into his house and, and he said, where do you worship the Lord at? And I said, man, I go to South Beach church. And he had his back to me at that point. He's like, oh yeah, I've heard of that church. He goes, and then he asked this question. He's like, has pastor Luke shaved his beard yet? And I'm standing there with this oil in this beard, and I grab my beard, I was like, nah, he ain't shaved it yet, you know. And he looks at me, he's like, Are you Luke? I was like, I'm Luke. And he couldn't believe it, man. I couldn't believe it either. And I get to go pray for Georgia. And I go, and his wife's sick. And I go downstairs. And I'm with Georgia and, and Walt. And, and I begin to just. And the Holy Spirit, I'm trying to deliver flowers. I'm late for home, man. I got places. There are no little things in the kingdom. And I had a chance to pray with Walt and speak life. They were scared. She was dying. And and she's not going to get any better. And I began to, and I sensed the Lord and it was powerful. And we began to weep and to cry. And I'm just trying to deliver flowers. It was so crazy. Guys, I told you already it's April 1st. Right now, that's what day it is today. It's Wednesday. Georgia went to heaven this morning. It's, and I got a chance to meet her first and be with her. She's in heaven now. And God knows what he's doing. And I would have missed out on that. Oh, I, I can't deliver flowers. I got to go do CrossFit or something, which is, I was actually late for CrossFit. And there's no little things. I'll never forget. You can pray for Walton. There's no little things. Point number one, progressive revelation. Point number two, he's always working on both ends. Point number three, everything matters. There are no little things. Everything matters. And as you just trust the Lord, he'll use everything in your life to advance his kingdom. The fourth point is that God wants to use your stuff. You have stuff, I have stuff. Here we see he uses a donkey, somebody else's donkey. And he sends these two disciples in to get this donkey. And man, simple application. Has God given you stuff, anything? The Lord has need of this donkey. And this guy's like, all right, take my donkey then. And the Lord has given you and given me things. As a matter of fact, I, I don't like talking about my giving to the Lord, but it's the first, and so... I gave this morning first thing I did when I woke up just went to u s bank logged in first thing before I even had coffee <laughs> like Lord it's, I just want to give it to you and and guys what does the Lord have what's he giving you honestly he wants to you he wants you to keep it this guy you know this guy would get his donkey back it's actually a cult Jesus evidently was a cults fan and and this guy would be he, this is the first holy cult man God wants to use your stuff and the fifth and final point before we move on and this is important and it kind of intertwines with all of these points is that obedience is required in order to see the power of god in your life look at verse 32 so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them (laughs) it doesn't say who these two disciples are but I could imagine Jesus with the 12 said, hey, I need two volunteers. And everyone's like, oh, you uh, and raising their hands. He's like, I need someone, two volunteers to go into the city opposite us, the one we just came from. Hands start to go down. Like, why are we going backwards? And I need you guys to go back there and I need you guys to grab me a donkey, you know? And they're like, oh, that doesn't sound cool. Two guys are chosen and two guys go and two guys get used powerfully. If you want to, I don't want to be, too obvious, but if you aren't seeing the power of God in your life, I wonder if it has a direct connection to the obedience to God in your life. Matter of fact, I, I just I'll say it that way: If you're not walking in obedience to what God wants you to do, you will not experience His power. Now, let me make sure that I mess with you, because if you're powerless right now, if you're addicted. You can't get over something. You're not proud of yourself. You're not happy. You're mad at your life. You're just, you're frustrated. Can you wonder, oh, my life's not powerful? Okay, why not? What is it that you're not doing in obedience in surrendering what you have to the Lord, trusting Him to be working on both ends, knowing that there's no little things and that He reveals progressively? This is happening. Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem. Nothing's going to stop him. Nothing could stop him. But he's going to use all of these things. It takes your obedience. It takes my obedience. May the Lord convict us individually. Check this out, though. A few more points, and we're going to be done with today's sermon. I want you guys to see this. It's so incredible. It says, But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? <laughs> and they said, The Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. Stop right there, eyes up here. Just... If you're a pragmatic, which means just kind of straightforward in your thinking, just, you know, wouldn't you expect the Lord to send them to get a cult that is not gonna then bring to them opposition in their getting of the cult? Follow this principle. Jesus says, I want you guys to go do something for me. Oh, and by the way, you're gonna get messed with. Well, can't you just set it up in a way that we don't get messed with? No, you're gonna get messed with. But listen, He built within that command and within that command opposition, he built within that provision. He said, it's not going to go perfectly. They're going to push back on you. But when they push back on you, just say this and it'll work out for you. And to me, it's like, just make it easier. He ain't going to make it easier. Jesus said, you're going to suffer tribulation in this world. Okay. Paul said, you're going to suffer persecution in this world. Peter said there's gonna be various trials in this world. Jude said that this life is like a war and you gotta contend for the faith. Every person who experiences God and lives for him is, listen, is gonna come into some sort of opposition, but the Lord has made provision within that opposition. I say that because so many people try and start a life group or start dating their wife again or start discipling their kids or witnessing to their neighbors or start saving money for a mission trip. Or start memorizing scripture. Or, or start singing worship songs in the morning. Or, or something. And then it gets hard. It's difficult. It's hard. It's hard to get up. And the other day I woke up at 5.30. And I was like, that's early. And the Lord just spoke to my heart. And he said, too early to get up and hang with me? And I was like, well, no, it's not, not too early for that. But I didn't want to. Lord, if you really want me to get up early in the morning, why don't you just make me a morning person, you know? Or he's gonna build that opposition in and then give you the Holy Spirit's provision. Guys, it's just, to me, these principles are so, it's funny, it's a funny story. And yet it all works out. They get this cult, they bring it back to the Lord. Let's see the rest of the story. Verse 35, and they brought him to Jesus, this cult, And they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples, there's hundreds of them, began to rejoice and praise God with loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Now, let me just point this out. A few of the disciples throw jackets on the colt. A few of the other disciples throw their clothes and palm branches on the road. And then everyone else sees what's happening and they all just lose their minds and they begin to worship Jesus as one. It's this cathartic effect. And I would just say, it doesn't take much to spark a revival. It doesn't take much to see one person acting in faith, to, to be worshiping in that way. It could be in your own home. It could be with the position of leadership that you have in your life. Earlier today, we gathered at the church outside, in our cars, away from people, because it was one of the youth group gals' birthday. Ellie Perez, happy birthday. And we all gathered there, and, and it, there was about seven or eight cars or so, and, and yet when we were there, we began to pray. We prayed a birthday blessing over Ellie, and, and then we just prayed that God would help us in this quarantine time, and, and I sensed the pleasure of the Lord and everyone. It was just, can I just say, don't, Don't wait for somebody else to start. And if somebody else does start, man, join right in. Jesus jumps on this cult and he rides into Jerusalem and the worshipers begin to worship. I would say two things also. Jesus is demonstrating his humility by getting on this cult. You see, in those days, a victorious king would ride into his village after returning from battle. And he wouldn't be on a donkey. He'd be on a horse, on a steed, man, a stallion. And Jesus is sowing his humility, his submission. But he's also showing his sovereignty, his sovereignty in that this fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus does all things well. And as he comes in, humble, submissive, yet full of authority and sovereignty. Now, look what happens next in Luke 19, we're almost done. It says, They were singing, verse 38, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, there are hundreds of people worshiping Jesus in this point, but a few naysayers, a few Pharisees say, Jesus, you can't be getting worship like this. Worship is reserved for God and God alone. The implication is that Jesus is God and worthy of our worship. And Jesus says to these Pharisees who would not worship, who would not have him as their king, these Pharisees who would reject Jesus, he says to them, if if they didn't worship me, you know who would? The rocks. The rocks. I'm not sure if Jesus was trying to be super mean here, but in in essence, he's saying, you gotta be dumb as a rock not to worship me. Now that's pretty condescending, Mr. Fershad, Mr. Pastor Fershad. But can I just, man, you study the life of Jesus Christ. And if you do not respond with a bowed knee and with with a humbled heart to Jesus Christ, man, you might be a blockhead. I love you. I love you, but come on. These guys said, hey, don't, tell them to stop worshiping. Jesus said, I deserve it. If they didn't, the rocks would cry out. Can I just tell you, I don't care. I don't don't care how I'm feeling or what's going on in my life. Jesus deserves my worship. He deserves it. He deserves it. Worship him no matter what. Find that reaction in your own life. Your life might fall apart. Things might not be okay. That's understandable. Jesus still deserves worship. Check this out. Final thoughts. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Jesus is only seen in the scriptures twice weeping. I imagine he wept more than that, but only twice is he recorded as weeping. Once at Lazarus' funeral and once here. And Jesus, when he weeps, doesn't weep, in my opinion, for himself, but he weeps for humanity. He weeps for the pain experienced in his creation. As he was at Lazarus's funeral, Mary and Martha were crying and Jesus was crying too because he saw their brokenness. I believe it wasn't because he was broken but because he was experiencing their brokenness. And here, I believe when he sees Jerusalem, guess what's happening? It's Palm Sunday. He's gonna go in and on Thursday be arrested, on Friday be crucified, on Sunday rise from the dead. It's not gonna be a fun weekend for Jesus, okay? Death and burial. That's not why he's crying though. He's not scared. He's crying because of the people's hard hearts and the rejection. The Pharisees just said, quiet the people. And Jesus now comes, I know this is true because this is what Jesus says next. Look at verse 42. If, he says, while he's crying, you had known even you, especially in this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side. And they're gonna level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Stop right there, eyes up here. I'm gonna run something by you guys quickly. See, Jesus is exercising authority here as he sets up this event using his disciples with the donkey and this day, it all had to be this way because there's no small things in the kingdom. And Jesus now weeps over Jerusalem. He says, guys, guys, you missed this day of your visitation. The day where Jesus rolls in on the donkey. You who are Bible students know this. But in the book of Daniel chapter 9, it is prophesied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, about 500 years earlier, that there would be a command to rebuild Jerusalem from a king. That happened in Nehemiah's day, Nehemiah chapter 2. King Artaxerxes Long Jamaeus made the command, go rebuild Jerusalem. Daniel prophesied that when that command is given, there would be 173,880 days <gasps> until Messiah rolled in to the day. Check it out. Email me later, lukefrechette at gmail.com, and I'll explain it to you. And these days were prophesied, and 173,880 days later brings you to exactly April 6th, A.D., 32, guess who shows up? Jesus Christ. And he looks at Jerusalem. And you know what happened? (laughs) They missed him. By and large, they missed him. These are the people who cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. But he knew in four small days, just four short days, they would cry out, crucify him. Crucify him on that Friday morning. And he wept for their blindness. As a matter of fact, Look at the next verse, last two verses. It says, then he went into the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written that my house is a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and they were unable to do anything. Listen, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Guys, here's my final thoughts for the day. Jesus showed up then on a donkey as prescribed. Perfect timing. 173,880 days. Perfectly. Right after Artaxerxes in March 14th, 445 BC there in Babylon gave the command to rebuild the temple. Nehemiah 2. And if, here's my, if Jesus showed up on time for that appointment and they missed it, can I tell you something? Revelation chapter 19 has another appointment predicted, prophesied of Jesus Christ coming. Not on a colt, a baby donkey, but this time on a white horse. Coming back with judgment and with rescue and with victory. And again, I look at the signs and the times. I'm ready to go just as much as the next person. But I need to be reminded. I need to be woke up. I need to be stirred up. Because what Jesus did next is He went right into the temple and He cleansed it for the second time. Jesus cleansed the temple twice. He cleansed it once at the beginning of His ministry. He showed up to Jerusalem, cleansed it, and for three years preached, taught, and did miracles. And then He came back here, and after three years of ministry, guess what had happened at the temple? It just didn't get cleaned up. It didn't get righted. He said, all right, it's go time. And He cleansed the temple. And the Bible says that the Pharisees and the scribes were super mad. Those are the lawmakers and the, the smart guys and the ones with hard hearts. But it says there in the last verse, and this is us, this is us, this is us. It says that the common people and the other people, they eagerly heard him daily. As a matter of fact, the next chapter in chapter 20, it goes on to say that people showed up every single day to hear Jesus. So, what's going on in our lives? Here we are, coronavirus week four. What's God doing? Well, let me just remind you, he's right on time. He's completely sovereign. He knows what he's doing. He's working on both ends. He's looking for obedience. He wants to work in your life. He wants you to trust him. He wants to use your stuff. What stuff? You go I don't have any donkeys. We got time. We got talent. We got treasure. He wants to co-op with you. And yet here's the danger. There is a chance that you and I will miss it every day every day you miss something i'm praying that the holy spirit sensitizes our hearts during this time and we begin to feel and sense his guiding and his moving in our lives when we're texting that person or doing that thing and he says hey do it this way do it that way i want to use you ah eh, i'm not going to text my grandma right now it's just a not a big deal everything in the kingdom of god is a big deal he's going to use it he wants to use you he wants to he wants to Let your light shine before men. And if you're alive right now still, means you're watching this, what a great time to be alive. Right now, the Lord would use anybody and everybody to bear fruit, to put your roots down and your fruits out. So I'm gonna close this in prayer. And I want us to consider how the Lord might take our lives and our hearts and use us for his glory. Would you bow your heads? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this story, this Palm Sunday, highly orchestrated. (laughs) One of the only events that you put together so perfectly because you had 173,880 days to plan it out. And we learned so much from it. And I pray, Lord, that now, 2,000 years later, we would say, Lord, are you planning my life too? Do you know what you're doing with me? And the answer is yes. And that we would find great hope and peace and I pray for my friends who are watching right now and my family here at my house. In Jesus' name, that you would have greater access to our hearts and minds. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Move deeper into our lives and our hearts. Use our resources. Use our lives. They're not even our lives. The Bible says we were redeemed at a price and therefore we are to glorify God in our bodies, which are yours. Lord, forgive us for our sin. Forgive us for our hypocrisy and our, our foolishness. If you're, if you're watching and you need forgiveness, you need a soft heart, you need a cleansing, you need to be restored. The Lord is looking at you and maybe even weeping right now. He looks at your heart, he's weeping. If, that's, if you need a restoration, don't be prideful right now, just, just receive that. You can just nod or wince your eyes, just say, yeah, that's me, Lord, forgive me, and just be cleansed, be cleansed. Maybe you're watching right now and you're not a believer, but you know you should be, you sense God calling you to become a Christian right now. You sense him wanting to use your life and take you deeper and man, you don't want to miss out and you need his help. Would you right now, would you just accept him as your personal Lord and savior? Would you let him forgive you of your sins and be your king and your God and lead your life and take you to heaven when you die? If that's you, man, just receive that by faith in Jesus name, receive Jesus Christ as he is. These men and women then who saw him worshipped him rightly, but some rejected him wrongly. Just worship him. Give your life to him. And Lord, we do in Jesus' name. We pray a revival upon the church of God. You got our attention. We're right here. If there's any area that's breaking your heart, making you weep, would you show it to the church? Show it to our hearts, to my heart, to South Beach, to churches beyond. Do a work within us. Lord, we pray for our first responders and for our uh, medical communities and for our governments. We ask for wisdom and for healing. Lord, protect our county, protect our country. Lord, let us get through this quarantine. It's honestly not that hard just to stay home and, and not get sick and help others. Help us to do that. We pray for an economic comeback, Lord, and for spiritual revival and just protection in all of this. In Jesus' name, would you just protect us? Bless the groups, Lord, the young adult group and the youth group and celebrate recovery, Lord, and the the Bloom group and bless the women's Bible study, Lord, and the men's group and, Lord, all the the Narcotics Anonymous group and all the guys and gals that aren't able to meet right now. Just bless them as we get through this together. We're thankful for all you've done at South Beach Church and providing us with the staff and with the resources we have. Continue to inspire us and lead us. There are no small things in the kingdom of God. We thank you for loving us, for forgiving us of our sins. Would you help us now to live for you until the day we meet you face to face? And even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Guys, it is Palm Sunday. And so what I want you guys to do is to stay in the Gospels. It's Passion Week. Study the the. Five days leading up to Jesus' arrest there on Thursday night there in the Garden of Gethsemane and the crucifixion on Friday, we will be having a Good Friday service at 6 p.m. Okay, Good Friday service is going to be online at 6 p.m. One service only, tune in. It's going to be a powerful time if you're able to get some communion elements prepared. You can call the church. We'll leave them outside for you or just go to jcmarket or amazon.com and just get get something and get some bread and some juice, okay? And a quieted heart. And we're going to take communion together. We're going to celebrate Jesus on Good Friday at 6 p.m. And then our Easter services coming up next Sunday are at 10 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Just two services, 10 o'clock and 6 o'clock. So no 9 a.m. service. You'll see that coming up soon. Other than that, hashtag In This Together. Go ahead and put it in the comment section below. Post pictures of your watch party or of yourself later on Facebook today. It's flood Facebook with the Church of God worshiping together. We love you guys very much. (sighs) Email us if you have any prayer requests or any questions. Southbeachchurch at gmail.com. Other than that, God bless you. We hope to see you live and in person very soon.